it's nice to feel like you fit in a box, but it's also nice to be out of the box at the mm -hmm. same time. Welcome back to Speaking Queerly, a podcast hosted by Kaleidoscope Youth Center, an LGBTQIA plus organization based out of Columbus, Ohio. My name is Daria. I use she, they pronouns, and I'm the Ohio GSA Network Manager at Kaleidoscope. My name is Lane. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm the Community Education and Research Manager. I'm Barry. I use they, them pronouns. And I'm Lorenzo. I use they, them pronouns. Today, we want to introduce you to Lorenzo and Barry, who are queer, non-binary content creators on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram with over 2 million collective followers. They founded Queer Hangouts, a patron-supported program that provides free visits to schools and colleges in Ohio. During these queer hangouts, Barry and Lorenzo speak with LGBTQ clubs and students for the purpose of affirming, supporting, and encouraging their identities. Lorenzo's mission as a content creator is to educate the general public on issues of gender and sexuality and to affirm and encourage LGBTQ plus individuals around the world. In 2020, they received their PhD in Italian studies at The Ohio State University with specializations in film studies, gender and sexuality studies. They also have collaborated with organizations such as Planned Parenthood, Merit America and YouTube to forward other tangential advocacy projects. The three pillars that guide their work are artist, educator and advocate. Barry is an LGBTQ content creator, singer-songwriter, actor, producer, and mental health advocate. Their mission is to inspire people in the queer community to truly know their worth and be, be their authentic selves. Barry attended Cal Arts for Music and has produced many music videos as well as songs for TV and film. Through overcoming addiction and mental health issues with spiritual and healing practices, Barry hopes to facilitate safe and healing environments. Their approach is heart-centered with a focus on compassionate dialogue to create positive change in the individual and world. Thank you for taking the time out of your, I'm assuming very busy. We have been a little bit busy we're the past few weeks. Yeah, we're trying to have that yin balance, too much yang going on. But yeah, we, we've been pretty busy the past three weeks preparing for Pride Month, and mm -hmm. we just wrapped up the self-care series that's going to be airing on YouTube. Well, it started airing already on YouTube, but after that finished filming, we were like, we need to take it down a notch a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah definitely. Yeah. Pride Month is supposed to be a celebration, but it's just like chaos. For yeah, it's it's, 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 it's an intense month of work productivity, and then we try to take vacation in July, usually. Yeah. We <laughs> the first couple weeks of July. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. We actually, we do that here too, because yeah, we get a lot of like trainings and we do a lot of tablings and we have our own like community pride. Um, and then yeah, the first week of July, it's like, yo, like you guys need to take a break. We're all asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like a little bit of summer hibernation. Exactly. But but yeah. So if you've listened to the podcast before, we do a little add-on question, um, which I had to think deeply about because I really didn't know. <laughs> um, but our add-on question today is if someone were to remake any movie in the world and cast you as a character in it, which movie would it be and what character would you star as? Um, are, are we allowed to do TV shows? or sure. else Yeah. My question is Killing Eve. Mm -hmm. Oh. And I just had this desire to be one of the people that Villanelle like, makes out with and then murders. <laughs> like, I yeah. just... There's something about Jodie Comer's aura as as that killing you <laughs> character <laughs> or sandra oh honestly like yeah either either of them would be great a lifelong crush on sandra mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's true good choice that's good my choice. choice yeah <laughs> you have more to watch a lot more 
I mean, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I the, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, I feel like it was my queer awakening. Mm-hmm. It, it's this movie called Now and Then. And there's this, uh, I think it was a 90s movie. And Christina Ricci plays one of the main characters when she was younger. And I would want to be that character, but I'd want to be a non-binary version. Because she, like, she does, has a whole scene of, like, finding, and she's, like, trying to hang with the boys. And <laughs> she's, like, so queer, but, um, I, but it's not explicit. Anyway. It's begging for a non-binary <laughs> yeah. Right, character. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to be that. Um, I feel like mine's less interesting. Um, for anyone that knows me personally, I'm obsessed with Twilight. I've always been obsessed with Twilight. I will forever be obsessed with Twilight. Um, so any and all of the Twilight movies, and I would want to be Alice because she's like, I don't know, the perfect queer experience of like, do I want to be her? Do I want to be with her? Mm -hmm. Um, and like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Alice. Classic struggle of trying to figure out if you're just wanting to be like somebody or be with somebody. Right. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So that's my pick. Maybe. Yeah. In a similar vein, I think I would pick Two Weeks Notice, which is like a 90s oh, rom-com with Sandra Bullock and Hugh Grant, because I desperately want to be Hugh Grant and also be with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> so if I could just wedge myself right in there. Right Perfect. <laughs> I really think that would be your truest form. Like. No, I've tried, and my forehead is just so shiny in the sun. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, well, I guess now we'll just enter into the super fun and fantastic interview. Um, because we also we already got like a little bit of your bios, but if there's more that you two would like to add about yourselves, we'd love to hear it. And then also just like the history of how you two came to be like yeah. working together collectively in relationship with like each other collectively so much yeah so much whatever you want to yeah. share um i feel like we should start with the relationship one because that came first and then business mm-hmm. kind of came second right yes <laughs> yeah yeah what do you want to do you just want to know the origin story or i want the lore of the two the of lore. So. <laughs> yeah that fandom on tiktok so, and youtube yeah mm-hmm. it, it started back in early pandemic like way in the beginning yeah in 2020 2019 no it's definitely 2020 because i remember i got into tiktok in december of 2019 that's when tiktok got really big for me and then youtube was growing over the next year so it must have been in the summer of 2020 and then we did our podcast in september Oh, see, you, time, time for yeah. me is all in a very struggle with yeah. the time conceptualization. <laughs> yeah, so don't talk to me about that. But, but yeah, yeah. So I, I had made this music video about being non-binary, and I, it was like my coming out kind of video, I guess. And I wanted to share it with people who might be interested in it. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't really know that many non-binary people, mm-hmm. so I just looked up the hashtag on Instagram. And I was owning I, that hashtag at the yeah, time. Yeah, so. love that. Uh, hashtag non binary, Lorenzo pops up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I just sent the video to everyone I could possibly find, and Lorenzo so graciously shared it on their story. Wow. And I was like, wow, this person that doesn't even know me is sharing my thing. That's so nice. And then we just started talking, and I had a podcast at that time for like two months. It's long gone. But, uh, yeah, and, and so I asked Lorenzo to be a guest on it, and I just interviewed them. Yeah, we had a really great conversation. It was like an hour long. And I felt like it was a cool opportunity to actually get to know you mm-hmm. as a human, as this random person on the internet, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's when we originally 
met. And then after that, we just kind of sent voice notes back and forth on WhatsApp over the next year. And then I moved to England briefly for like six months. I know. Wow. Random. Wait, I did not even know that. So okay, we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll circle back to that. PhD in Italian studies. And I defended in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I was having one of those midlife crises mm-hmm. of like, oh, I spent the last seven years of my life working my butt off to do this PhD. And now I feel like I need a big new project to dive into. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to move to England and try to build my business in terms of expanding content creation into Western Europe and see if I could do that. So I briefly moved to England uh, and just got to experiment with the confines of the business internationally and mm-hmm. realizing, okay, these are the limitations. I'm going to move back to the States because this doesn't seem to be working financially. During that time, though, I started talking to Barry a lot more because I was also having a spiritual awakening slash those hermitages that the academics do sometimes mm-hmm. to just like reset and rejuvenate your soul and spirit. And so I was going on lots of walks by the English channel and just thinking about life. And I was like, Barry's a spiritual person. Maybe I'll just voice know them more often now. So we started talking then and then I moved back to Columbus and we kept talking. And then I'm trying to remember like when this became a relationship. It was around the time when my cat Mouse died. Okay. R.I.P. Love her. Yeah, Mouse. Love really my cute life. Name yeah. too. I know. That's so cute. She was that entity in my life that taught me what unconditional love is about. Oh. You know, because <laughs> I had like in my <laughs> own start crying. My cat yeah, also died. Oh my like. So it's yeah. such a deep love. I know. So yeah, I mean, Mouse to me was this unconditional spirit of just pure love. And after, because I had lost my family in the coming out process. And so mm-hmm. I was like trying to find family again. And Mouse just that constant cornerstone of peace and love. And so I was devastated when yeah. she passed and Barry was really there for me. And you were also... Um, and Mouse vouched for me. Yeah, Mouse vouched for you. It's true. Wait, what? Just the, how how would you explain it? Um, I feel like wait, didn't you you told me this that mouse that mouse told you? Yeah, gave you a message. Mouse's message was in. to invest more in Barry, and I was like very confused of what that meant because Barry and I were just like friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was like, what do you mean, mouse? Invest business wise? Invest as a friend? <laughs> like what kind of investment are we talking about? So I was just like, oh, I'll just talk to Barry a little bit more, and that was kind of where things went. And then mouse died, but basically. You were also getting top surgery around that time, uh-huh. and I was trying to be a good friend to you by reaching out and trying to check on your mental health and well-being, and I was like, I want to make sure I'm there for Barry, I'm going to extra message this person, and that's when we started, like, talking more. Continue, though. This is a very long story. So then... We are talking all the time, like, 20-minute voice. No. Okay. <laughs> want to do this. Okay. Mine, I, I tend to go on and on. Yeah. It's so, an academic in me. I feel like I'll have to, like, give my point by point, like, mm-hmm. full essay. I like that. I like that. Vocals. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So then Lorenzo was going to come visit California and vis- visit in December. Mm-hmm. And then Mouse died in November. Mm-hmm. Mouse so, died on Thanksgiving Day. I know. She knew it was my favorite holiday, too. And I was like, he... But yeah, so Mouse died, and around that time, you had kind of mentioned that you kind of had feelings for me. No, I didn't! I never said it. I think I might have a 
And that's why I freaked out. Look at it. No, that didn't. <laughs> well, I remember it. coming out. Yeah. Okay. okay. You share. You share. No. Okay. So my perspective is. We were talking, we were telling each other about, because we were both dating people, and yeah. we'd always tell each other about people we dated. And one time, Lorenzo said, direct quote, oh, like, so what if I came out there and, like, we cuddled, and, and I was like, and, we, and would you just push me out of the room? Because <laughs> because I, I have to sleep alone. Like, I'm really sensitive to uh, when I sleep. Yeah. To, uh, so, like, it's hard for me to sleep next to someone. So, so they mentioned, like, if we happen to cuddle. If and we happen to cuddle. And I was like, wait a sec. Are you, you're thinking about cuddling me, so are you, are you, do you, is there something gay? <laughs> yeah. I think we were both struggling with feelings at that time because I feel like I've traditionally been attracted to not yeah, non-binary non people. Me same with you. I've, I've always been attracted to like super femme same. people. So we, I think we were so struggling with our attraction to each other because I think our emotional bond was really intense and deep and we just got each other so well. And we both have that like demisexuality thing mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. to some extent so i was trying to expand my horizon in terms of okay well i clearly like this person what is my type what does a type mean can i feel attraction to this person and i remember for me it was the first moment was <laughs> you had sent me this song that you had just released and i was just about to take a bath because i was sad about mouse dying and i was like let's go listen to various song and like cry in the song <laughs> oh my god and as I was listening to this song, your voice was just so melodic and beautiful. And I was like, oh, God, I think I might have some crush vibes on this voice. <laughs> and I think I said that to you. And I was like, your voice is, <clears throat> your voice, your singing voice is really cute. And you were like, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, so then, okay. So uh, we'll try to wrap this up. So yeah, it's getting, it's getting a little lengthy. <laughs> I love this. So, yeah, they were going to come out to California in December, but then canceled the whole trip. We were going to see Abraham Hicks. We yeah. Were, yeah, we were, we had all these plans. They canceled the trip. And then I said, oh, I have to be there for Lorenzo. I'm going to go to Columbus. Oh, so I booked the trip, went very last minute. Two days be- two days after I booked the trip, I went to Columbus. Yeah. And it was a fast year for like three days. And then said, oh, I love Columbus. And right when I got there, I knew something was going to happen between us. We something happened. I didn't. I wasn't convinced at the time. I knew because I always knew anything. Yeah. Okay. And it's true. You do. Yeah. yeah. I was very scared because I was like, "This is one of my best friends." You know, like you mm-hmm. had you have that inner circle of people that you mm-hmm. trust. And I had brought Barry into that space of like being one of those best friends that is just one of those people you depend on. And so I was like, "If this person comes out and there's not a chemistry physically, it's going to be awkward." Yeah. And so I was stressing over fears mm-hmm. around what kind of dynamic you're gonna have but one of my good friends dr hannesy grave was like just be open to it and just let what happens happen and i was like okay <laughs> but look at how good that was yeah, yeah. and so, i thought even if it, 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 we didn't have chemistry it'd be fine we just go back to being friends no big deal i mean that's your perspective yeah i would have taken me some time to like get used to that but you're yeah. a very go with the flow person so. anyway it worked out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you can we were here for four days. We talked about what a relationship would look like. And then we were in a long distance relationship right off the bat. And by the time mm-hmm. it was February, the end of February, I moved here. Mm-hmm. And I got an apartment in the same building as them. So now we both have apartments in the same building. Yeah, so they're on the third floor. And I'm on the first floor. And I also have already met their family. I feel like our entire relationship has 
been very non-conventional mm -hmm. even in like the queer space because I met your entire family mm -hmm. over Valentine's Day because I flew out to California to visit them right like a week before they moved here so you remember that mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was a very weird situation because we had been in a long distance relationship for a few months I was seeing them for like the second time ever in person also meeting their family and stressful it was stressful, especially with like my own history of having lost my family, like meeting somebody else's family comes with its own. Do you want to make it loud? Okay. <laughs> it comes with its own um, struggles. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to feel happy and excited to meet their family, but also thinking about those comparisons with my past family and all of that. So it was a lot of emotion and then them moving as well, just like we just started this relationship. This is a really big move. You're moving across country. We're living that like classic lesbian, like you all situation of yeah. trying to sort out how deal. But then it all worked out well. And and here we are. Now we're in business together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so basically the business ends is going to be much shorter than the romantic story. But I, so I started the business Lorenzo Inc. in February of this past year. I should have started it a year ago because I had a bunch of taxes that were like, you owe the government taxes now because I was getting a lot of money from collaborations, mm -hmm. like Planned Parenthood, things like that. And I wasn't um, setting aside money for taxes. So by the time I did my taxes, they're like, yeah, you owe like a lot of money. So at that point, I decided it was the right time to get an accountant. And yeah. <laughs> that was the right move for me. And um, we established the business as an S-Corp. So now I'm super grateful to have payroll every month. So taxes are automatically taken out of my paycheck. And then this past month, we decided to bring Barry in because we were doing self-care series and that was like a joint collaboration together. Mm -hmm. um, we were filming all the time and writing scripts and they were also trying to think about what to do for work. And so, yeah. so I was like, wait, we're already working together and we're stronger together in a lot of ways and then after we went down to that school speak to the queer club we were like we got to keep doing this too so i think it just it was a natural progression in terms of the relationship when we decided to tell our followings because at the time okay so at the time when we were navigating our romantic relationship i'm a very private person i have a lot of virgo energy in my chart and so i like to keep things like in my private space whereas barry's a very how would you describe yourself uh, anything i could share about anything and i wouldn't care i mean yeah so we had to navigate that difference of mm -hmm. privacy boundaries at first but i was like please wait you know like i'm trying to decide how i want to tell people that i have a partner or person i'm dating but at the time i had maybe 800,000 or something followers on TikTok and then like 300,000 on YouTube and you have like 600,000 on TikTok. So we had large followings where and that with people that follow both of us, right? Mm -hmm. Follows Barry and follows me. So I knew once there was a video with both of us together that there's going to be comments being like, Oh my God, you guys are so cute together. I didn't know you had a partner, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it was just going to be a thing. And I didn't want to be someone that disappointed people two weeks later being like oh never mind like we just <laughs> right, broke up right. i wanted them to feel confident in their shipping of the relationship <laughs> you know and so, so yeah consider it i was, I was gonna say <laughs> you know, if i'm invested i want them to feel like they can invest and commit just like i'm mm. investing and committing 
So yeah, we waited a little bit before we told them and then it was exciting when we shared. And I think there are definitely some youths out there that just like watch my videos and then go to Barry's profile <laughs> to see the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Cause I often don't post the behind the scenes, cute videos. I'm posting more curated content. So sometimes they'll go watch my video, but then they want to go see Barry's stuff to be like, okay, what really happened? Like I want right. to see the behind the scenes of this right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's all. Unless you wanted to add something else to that. Oh, uh, no, it's just interesting hearing your, <laughs> your side of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So a lot of the work that you all do centers around supporting and affirming queer youth. Mm -hmm. What inspires you to do this work? Why do you think wow. it's necessary? And are there any inspiring stories that you want to share? Mm. Yes. Mm. I mean, there's so much to that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it, I struggled with internalized homophobia I, I feel like and it took me so long to get comfortable with myself I feel like it's only been like maybe four years ago I started becoming comfortable with my sexual my just really comfortable I mean I knew I was queer like very early on but just to get super comfortable and be so open about it and my gender identity mm -hmm. so I feel like if there were more people when I was little that could be kind of someone I could look up to or um, that would talk about these things, mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been so much easier. And I know like young kids these days have so much more access to the internet and like visibility is so, yeah. there's so much more visibility now. So I just want to help people see, I mean, there's so many different ways to be queer and so many different ways to be trans, so many different ways to be all of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what, that's for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just reiterate everything you say. And I feel like that's been a very similar experience for me as well. Um, and I think the youth as the audience mostly started because of TikTok mm -hmm. and blowing up on TikTok and becoming a quote unquote influencer content creator there. That was just the platform where all of the youth, especially queer youth were gravitating. And so I think because that was the bulk of the initial audience, I started to curate a lot more of my content for queer young adults and queer young people. Um, and then parents started to get into that too. I actually really enjoy talking to the parents a lot too. I know you enjoy the youths mm -hmm. more, but I also love having conversations with the parents. Um, and that's when I just started making more content for them. And especially during the pandemic, and I want to say early pandemic, uh, especially when the schools all got shut down, I really felt uh, an inner calling to be more present with those queer youth, thinking about my own childhood, living with transphobic and homophobic parents and imagining the queer youth during the beginning of the pandemic who had homophobic and transphobic parents now being forced to be stuck in these home environments that weren't safe or happy. And so I was doing daily lives <laughs> on my TikTok platform just to be with them and encourage them and like say it's going to be okay. And that was really a formative period of connection with the queer youth, I think, because I was especially considering, you know, suicide rates and suicidal ideation for queer youth, especially trans queer youth mm -hmm. and wanting to make a difference for them in a way that I didn't have when I was growing up either, like you had shared. So that was kind of my um, initial mission 
And then as the platforms continued to grow, the parents started popping up being like, wait, I have questions. You're like, my kid is trans and I don't know how to help them. And being able to engage with them in that way, I didn't initially feel equipped to say, oh, I'm a mental health expert. I have credentials. You know, I was just doing my Italian studies PhD program and that wasn't anything really specific to that. But you've mentioned this a lot too, Barry, in the sense that just having lived experience is oftentimes really part of being able to educate and be present and answer questions in that way. Um, and I think our trip down to the high school. Oh yeah. What do you want to say about that? Yeah. So, okay. So when we talk to this, um, LGBTQIA club there, they, uh, there was a lot of, it started getting very personal as far as the questions they would ask. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that, Oh, these kids have, they have questions and they want to hear it from people that they can relate to in some way. But, and also at the end of that, after this whole menstruation dysphoria discussion that we had, mm-hmm. um, where I learned a lot, I feel like they learned a lot and it was just so open and honest in a, in a way I had never experienced. And, and this one kid came up to me and said, I've been involved in these clubs for years and we've never had such an honest discussion. And it kind of touched my heart because I didn't know that it was possible to, that we could bring value in that way Mm -hmm. just by talking about stuff we already know and have experienced. Yeah. Maybe you don't need to be like a certified, I mean, we're not, you know, having one-on-one counseling sessions, but but just, yeah, sharing our, our own experiences can bring value. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so like, it's so important the work that you do and like, just to hear that. And also the way that like, you're able to relate with young people, because like, obviously like through KYC, we have a TikTok and all of that and yeah. we are at the drop-in programs. But like a lot of the times it's when I'm going out to, to GSAs, like I went up to Kent. So like two hours away, like KYC mm. really like we are a statewide organization, but like they can't just, you know, make a drive down to the drop-in center and like see us. Um, there's something like, and I feel very privileged with the fact that I'm still so young, the way that like, I feel like, I don't want to speak for you guys, but like (laughs) the way that like, you know, that we're like, I don't want to say so close in age, but like close enough for them to be like, like that seems attainable to me. Uh, you know what I mean? In a way, yeah. In a way that like, I didn't, I didn't see, and I didn't feel when I was younger, but like what would have changed my life if I had like a 20 something like, um, queer person walk in and be like, I got through high school. Mm. I made it through yeah. living oh my with, God. with parents. Right. Such like, a big deal. And like, just to see, like, and a lot of the times, like I went to a middle school and like, all they wanted to do was hear about like the work that I did. They're like, you get to work with queer people. Like uh-huh. that is like a profession that you can have. Um, and like, just to like be in that like community and share those stories is like so much more impactful than I think a lot of people like would even totally. assume. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with that. And I think yeah. as well, and this might be my own experience, but I'll ask you your thoughts too, in terms of living a very insular life now as a content creator we can curate the spaces we choose to be in and we're super privileged and lucky to be able to have the job that we have and that we're not having to go into an office and dealing with like the physical people of transphobia, homophobia on the daily. Mm -hmm. And I think I always underestimated uh, queer adulthood and being a successful queer adult and then being that presence in someone's life being like, Oh, you don't have this exposure. Like I have all the time. So 
that's something that I think was really big too, just realizing that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually want to speak to that. So in August of 2020, I was one of the young people I was in college and I got sent home because of the pandemic. And so I was Mm. living with my parents and it was not an emotionally safe environment. And I remember Lorenzo, your TikToks actually oh taught me gosh. what non-binary was. Whoa! And so, mm. when like there was like a day where I just like watched so many of them and realized I'm like, so sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're meant for fourteen-year-olds. <laughs> I needed it because I was watching that and I was like, non-binary, like trying that label on feels like putting on a pair of old pants. Mm. And I think were it not for like finding that content and finding that out about myself, like I wouldn't work here. I would be a very different person. Wow. <laughs> oh, that makes me feel so special. Wow. Like, we've got a connection. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, do you know Kieran from Equality Ohio? Yeah. We had just got coffee with Kieran too. And, um, they had said as well that they had seen some of my content and felt that connection with the non-binary space. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time when I was making those videos, I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, so actively like I was just trying to put out content and talk Mm -hmm. about these issues and it was just fresh out of um being in these women gender and sexuality studies classes at Ohio State too and writing my dissertation which was all about LGBTQ minorities in films and so it felt like these pieces were just clicked together in terms of oh I'm gonna be the film person making the pieces of content now of the stuff that I wish I could see Mm -hmm. on screen and then have that educational background as well to be able to articulate some of these um, issues, and especially just the most, in my opinion, this is my opinion, one of the most simple ones of the idea that gender is a social construction that most people don't know, like being able to parse out sex or, you know, sex assigned at birth, whatever that is for you, versus gender being a construction that society has built out, and trying to, like, help people understand just those basic nuanced differences Mm -hmm. was seemingly a challenge but also like oh this stuff this needs to be out there we need to be talking about this right and non-binary being able to be in that space as one of these gender identities that can just exist on a spectrum yeah yeah that's really interesting too because in one of our or in most of our trainings we do a warm-up where it's like think about um like gender messages that you received um growing up and whether that was like said to you like mm-hmm. because you are a boy or because you're a girl like this is how you act or if it was like modeled in the home what did your peers yeah. say about it like whatever and a lot of the times it's these like adults and I mean a lot of the trainings that you do are with I do a lot of the younger like GSA visits so like middle and high school but Lane and Amanda um do a lot of like the Trainings geared more towards adults. Mm. So there are 40, 50, 60 year olds who might have never, ever in their lives thought about totally. the fact that like, oh, you know, when I was younger, I like I did see my dad, you know, I never saw him cry or like, you yeah. know, he was always so uh, stoic and my mom was always very gentle and soft. But like, you know, and it's just like mm-hmm. these are and it's so interesting to um, to be in a queer space like almost every single person I know is queer, like whether that's a friend or in this work, like sometimes I just forget that these aren't like, as much as I am so grateful for my queerness, I feel so fortunate to be queer. Mm. It's also like so hard, (laughs) like just in like navigating identity, um, whether that's like gender or sexual orientation or whatever. And I'm like, there are some people who are just born and like, they're just doing the cis straight thing. And like, (laughs) and I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) And just how we're socialized. Uh, I think about boys too and how, you know, 
there's this sense that boys in quotations are socialized to be stoic as you described your dad being or emotionally not present and how I think as a person that was born female being able to have more empathy for that person's experience Mm -hmm. too and not always villainizing like oh like the straight white cis man is to blame but I'm like you have pain and trauma as well from your socialization that you can also be aided in, in in your experience and how we can all like have that healing together yeah, you had an oh, my oh God. I know. I was just thinking. Yeah, it's it's it sucks that they ha- they they're like a lot of men are trained to not be expressive of that. Of or told emotions. like violence is okay mm-hmm. for men, mm-hmm. or rage and anger is okay. Just all of these basic generalizations of the qualities that this person is allowed to have versus the female and then being non-binary and like combining that space. It feels very empowering too to be like, right. I yeah, it feels choose. like freedom. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> I feel like being. <laughs> we had a conversation yesterday over some snacks in the cafe about like men are experience anger because they're not allowed to experience sadness. Mm. And like, oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. Was, wow. Sorry. I know. <laughs> like that was... <laughs> Oh wow! I'm gonna be thinking about that for a. Thank you. I was. I didn't say it. It was like Christopher's partner's therapist. Oh wow! (laughs) Okay. Whoa. (laughs) Good. Good therapist, though. I mean. Okay. Well. But so, in a similar vein, talking about like getting through the queer experience as a young person and like finding that place finally of freedom. Hmm. What is one piece of advice that you typically give to queer and trans youth? Yeah, I, well, I think for me, I would say that there's no one way to be. That like being queer is is whatever you want it to be, essentially. That it's just about being your authentic self mm. and allowing for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes time. Like I feel like a lot of young people sometimes get really stuck on like, what's my identity? Like I have to be this and represent this. Yeah. And it, it feels like, I mean, maybe that'll change. Like, maybe you don't know exactly. And it's Mm. fine to try things. Like, I tried testosterone for maybe, like, six months. And then I was, I decided for myself, I'm actually, I don't want to be on testosterone. And I I feel like I had to go into that space and try it for myself to to know. and, And that was even this last year. Yeah. Like maybe your identity isn't set in stone and this is how I'm going to be forever. So I think just allowing that space to explore what feels right for you. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to continue on that and then share one more thing that I had thought of, but definitely agreeing with uh, the evolution of our identities and just the fact that we can be open to that change and being present with who we are in that moment like you choosing that top surgery was the right thing for you and what, how your body felt. And then maybe mm-hmm. testosterone playing with that and realizing maybe that's not the path you want to take for right now, but being able to be open to those future things. And I do agree that like the youth, I don't know. I think it's cause we just really want to be something sometimes. Like we really want to hold on to something and like claim that. And I think that, um, that's a hard space to be in, especially with, uh, terms And I think this comes a lot from my Italian linguistic background and like grammatical background in terms of different words and being able to put yourself in a box. Like there's, 
it's nice to feel like you fit in a box, but it's also nice to be out of the box at the mm-hmm. same time. And I think I struggle with that specifically with the term lesbian because I would identify as someone that is attracted to female bodied people, but I also identify as non-binary. And so the definition like of lesbian is a female who likes another female or in some, some aspect of that. So thinking about what the definitions of things are and like how we want to take aspects of some terms, Mm -hmm. but not everything and like kind of be able to exist in that flow space and just be okay with, as you said, being your authentic self. But what I also wanted to add was my biggest tip or a piece of advice for LGBTQ youth is finding safe spaces. Mm -hmm. That's my number one thing. Cause I think in my own experience growing up with a homophobic and transphobic family, I think about these queer youths trying to be their authentic selves in spaces in which maybe they can't be authentic. Mm -hmm. And that's a really scary place to be Mm -hmm. and leads to a whole host of potential issues. And so my number one piece of advice is to find those safe spaces, find an adult in your life that you trust, whether that's a parent's friend, sorry, a friend's parent (laughs) (laughs) or, or a teacher Someone that you know is supportive of who you are, that if something bad happens at home or you're not comfortable, you can go and talk to that person. And I felt like that was critical to my mental health and emotional health growing up was having a teacher to talk to Mm -hmm. personally and then having those safe spaces you can build. Because when you can start to insert yourself more into those spaces and exit the homophobic, transphobic ones, you're going to be able to experience the authentic self even more. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like... Obviously, we've seen all of the bills and bans that have been coming up, like 400 plus across the nation that are anti-LGBT. Um, and then the human rights campaign declared what mm-hmm. earlier this week on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier this week, um, Wait, what did they declare? A national state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, like you know, in the work that we do, like we're aware of all of these things that are happening, um, with the work we do and also just being queer people. But like, even when I heard that, and I mean, it's a statement of things we already knew, Mm -hmm. but like, even me hearing that, I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I don't know if it's, I like to maybe be in the space of like, it might look really bad or feel really bad, um, for us because we're like constantly in this like political sphere, you know what I mean? But maybe if we like stepped outside of it, you know, in the day to day, like maybe it's not that bad. Like, I don't know, like lying to myself to believe that. But then you see that like declaration and you're like, wow, like it just like, there's really like no ignoring it. Mm. Um, but yeah. So like when you're talking about these safe spaces, um, I know we were at the, um, oh my gosh, maybe last month, um, the state house. Um, and they were talking about the uh, transgender athlete ban. Yeah. And so many young people came up and spoke mm-hmm. and they were like, that is my safe space with my team. Mm-hmm. Like with my coach, mm-hmm. we've had young people here talk about like how much they love being on their team. Um, and how much like that means to them and like the own records that they're breaking, but then their inability to like be fully present on the team and compete yeah. because of like being a queer person. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. And I mean, especially now we're hearing like about, you know, gender affirming care, we talk about as like life-saving care truly. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of people like don't see it as such. So I guess maybe like, if you all want to talk about like what you see with like young people that are talking to you or just your own experiences of like how impactful that can be and like how necessary it is for young people to access. 
gender affirming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, there's so many, okay. There's so many layers to it. Gender affirming care in general is life-saving to the people who really need it, which not everyone, not everyone needs a surgery. Not everyone needs hormones. And, but for the people who do need it, who it's, it's, it's life-changing. It's everything. And I feel so like privileged to be an adult who had the wherewithal to like figure that out. But there's so many roadblocks. It's not, it's not Mm -hmm. easy to just go out and like get a surgery. It's, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Hard. And there, there, you have to go through so much like your, your therapist has to like write a letter. Yeah. Um, you have to find the right facility and it's expensive. So there's so many things to it, but if you're someone who needs that, it is life-saving. And I know for me personally, I have zero regrets, like zero, zero. And it's only benefited my psychological well-being. Mm. only benefit just a hundred percent. So, but I feel really lucky because I'm an adult who has access to that, but not every kid is in a household that can go out and just do that. And not to mention they have to have parents who are on board with that. Yeah. So I think there's just, it's necessary that we have this ability in our, in our laws, what, what we're able to access, because that's just a base right to be able to be yourself and get the care you need to psychologically exist in this world in the best way for yourself. Mm -hmm. It's so necessary, but I feel like the argument is people think people are getting, doing these things all willy nilly. (laughs) They're just going to walk into the doctor and be like, here's a bunch of testosterone, but that's not how it is. You have to, especially if you're a minor, you have to go through so much to be able to access that in the first place. So, and I'll jump in here. Yeah, please. <laughs> the process of getting gender affirming care and what it even is, because I think there's some misconceptions yeah. around that. Um, so, gender affirming care isn't even necessarily surgery and hormones. It can also just be having providers who use your correct name and yeah. pronouns mm-hmm. and show you their self respect and take your gender identity into consideration when they're treating you for whatever it may be. Um, but for a lot of young people, when they go in to receive gender affirming care, what it starts with is a really in-depth conversation about the entire course of this young person's life mm-hmm. and maybe when they started experiencing you know gender dysphoria and what parts of the opposite opposite gender mm-hmm. um, they find affirming they will be in therapy for about a year before they're even referred to any sort of medical treatment, at which point the young person has to be in what's called Tanner stage two, which is of puberty, which is where your body starts to really differentiate between you and your peers. Um, At which point they might be put on puberty blockers for something like three years. So their brain has time to catch up um, and really mature and think about, is this something I want to do long-term? Because they also have to have conversations about fertility. Like if you're a young person who goes on estrogen, for example, um, you're, you might become infertile from that. So it's a long process. You have to have the consent of both parents in Ohio right now, I think. Um, oh man. And it's something like 
far less than 1% of trans youth are receiving any kind of surgery before the age of 18. Yeah. It is so, so rare. The red tape is insane. I was just, I was working on a project with Planned Parenthood and doing research on the Texas laws right now with the legislation. And I read this article on this uh, trans kid, super inspiring young person. And so I made a little video and sent it to the reporter of this article. I was like, can you send this to this trans kid and just say, like, I'm encouraging them. And I was reading this whole story about their process, kind of what you just described. Um, and the fact that, like, multiple doctors have to sign off on things at various stages in the process of a minor's experience. And the fact that in Texas right now, they're trying to completely take trans minors off of any form of hormone treatment mm -hmm. to kind of like wean them off of it, which is so upsetting in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you, but you have all of the medical proof to say this is absolutely not going to be good for them. And yet this is what you're choosing to do. And I think that really upsets me as well is that, you know, it is not this willy nilly process. It is a very vetted, very difficult process that shouldn't be just yanked away from this person. Right. And it's the, the, people in politics that are like making these decisions. Like it's not doctors who don't like, know anything about it usually. Right. Well, yeah. And even when we were at the state house, um, there were, there were doctors <laughs> that came in in support yeah. of these, like talking about how this like benefits young people mentally, mm -hmm. um, and how like taking it away does more harm because mm -hmm. I think, what is it? I think the actual name for like this, um, ban on gender affirming care is like save adolescents from experimentation or yeah. something like that. Whoa. And it's like, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, act like is happening and they, people talk about how like being trans is like some sort of trend. And it's like, you are going through one to five plus years or waiting all the way through up until you're 18 to like receive this care. Mm -hmm. Nothing about it is like fun and hip and cool. It is so hard to mm -hmm. be, it is so wonderful and joyous to be a queer person, but it is so hard to be a queer person, especially yep. if you're trying to receive, um, like the steps towards like a medical transition. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's all of these like cis politicians that mm -hmm. are like taking away rights from young people that they refuse to listen to. That's mm -hmm. so upsetting. And one question I have for the people who consider this medical experimentation is, do y'all remember that interview with Lady Gaga where the guy's like, some of your fans think you have a penis and she goes, mm. so what if I do? Like, why are we yeah. so concerned? <laughs> like, let's say your body changes a bit on hormones and that's irreversible. Sure. But yeah. you're alive. Like maybe you can still find happiness. Your life still has value. Even if you decide to detransition. Absolutely. I think about intersex mm -hmm. people as well, which mm -hmm. we haven't touched upon in this conversation yet, but the fact that there are different kinds of intersex people that exist in this spectrum of hormones or, um, XY chromosomes or different body parts that associate with different, you know, male or female bodies and that we have to allow those people to exist and be okay too. Like they don't need to be forced to transition if they don't want to. Right. So I think it's just the acceptance of like letting people be who they are and not forcing them into any specific box that they don't want to be in. Um, but intersex, I think I, I have had one intersex friend and just being able to have a friendship with that person even was opening up my uh, understanding of the, the construction of gender as well. And like how people are placed into different boxes based on hormones and body parts and things like that. But I was also going to share, um, in my experience, 
so I identify as non-binary, but I have a female body and I was trying to like figure out how I feel with periods specifically. Um, cause I get a lot of gender dysphoria around that. And I read these two books that were life changing for me that I recommend to anyone. Um, the first one's called period power by Maisie Hill. Oh yeah. Shaking the head. <laughs> and then I read the sequel called perimenopause power, which is basically like the female body transitioning through menopause and what is going on with the hormones at that stage. And just being able to feel empowered in my body in that way, even though I don't like aspects of certain things, being able to understand like, oh, this is what estrogen is doing during the follicular phase. This is what ovulation feels like. This is what progesterone feels like when I'm like in the luteal phase and being able to kind of be kinder to myself in different parts of that process and knowing that, you know, my female body is always going to feel like a little bit eh, at times, but being able to be present with those hormone fluctuations for myself is one way that I cope with the non-binary identity and gender dysphoria, which is my own experience. And other people don't like, they're kind of somewhere else on the spectrum and they don't want like the specific experience that I have. So I feel like everything, everyone needs different things yeah. to return to the point of <laughs> gender affirming care. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much divisiveness and different opinions on and it's, it's kind of scary in the world today about all these issues. So, and I feel that as an adult, but I can imagine being a kid, it could be so much, so confusing. Um, so I feel like that's why the self care series that we're doing oh, yeah. exists because I mean, when I was at like 16, I was an alcoholic cause I was just had so much anxiety, so much, uh, so much stuff going on internally. I would just numb out, but now I'm all about you know, being in your body and like loving all the parts of yourself. And it, I feel like that's a process, but just mm -hmm. the point is your mental health is everything. Your well being is everything. And yeah, like gender affirming care will help you feel seen, but there are so many things you can do just as an individual to help yourself feel good in your body and in your environment. So I feel like that's why the self-care series exists just because yeah. we face so many mental health issues and maybe bullying. And, and so if we have the tools to help ourselves, yeah, then we can actually be ourselves in the world as opposed to like shying away from all this drama or, even though being a queer person is so amazing, it's like the best thing in the world, but it's also, like you said, really hard. And it, it is hard to like be, a, you know, like a public queer person on the internet. And, oh like, yeah. Face, mm -hmm. That's a whole other level. Face yeah. harassment from like people you don't even know. So, and I know kids get that in school. Yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. anyway, it's a lot. Just self care is so important. Yeah, the self-care series developed from so many questions online from many of our audiences just asking questions about what they should do for X, Y, Z. And so um, we developed this 10-episode series of my combined self-care things and kind of Barry's combined self-care things. So we've had, we had a couple of uh, episodes on the body. So we did like body and nutrition and then body and movement. And then we did some mind episodes on like the mind and creativity and the mind and learning and then spirit things like spiritual practices or community. spiritual purpose mm -hmm. and then community and alone time. So being able to talk about like 
various aspects of self-care that people can tap into when they're really feeling triggered or feeling like unsafe that they can find something that works for them and like really get into it. I think that's super exciting because you so frequently hear the narrative of like your body is a temple. Mm. But I feel like, especially as a trans person, my body is not a temple. Mm. It's not always a safe space, but having these like videos and these series and seeing people with your experience cultivate, you know, good mental health and really take care of themselves can help you enrich that inner world, which is, it has to be your safe place when the world yeah. is a place to be. It's a great point. Just having, you know, tips and tricks on how to cultivate that space and retreat into yourself in hard times is invaluable. That's so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's making me think of, um, Lane and I went to a high school to do a little more than a GSA visit. It was kind of more of like an assembly. Okay. Um, but yeah, there was a young person that came up to us afterwards and was talking about, again, like there aren't a lot of safe spaces, even in schools, like mm. specifically for queer people. If they come forward and say, I'm being bullied on my queerness, they aren't necessarily protected in the same way. Absolutely. And so like to be able to like... I don't know, like express to this young person, like first off horrible. And like, what Mm -hmm. steps can we take like with administration to try and like fix that issue? But also like, here's a place that you can go to learn about ways to like take care of yourself and align with yourself and like, like protect yourself in a way from like things that are happening. So that's really exciting. I'm excited to have that. And also just this place KYC is doing that. I mean, in so, in so many different ways, you know, offering a safe environment for people to just come. And that's so beautiful. I'm so happy it exists. (laughs) The young people here being like those, those heroes of like, that's attainable. I can be that. Yeah. (laughs) Like seeing a successful or like happy adult. Yeah, the success and happiness, I think, is so key Mm -hmm. just in terms of, you know, yeah, what we are seeing. I know for me, that person was Hannah Hart. I don't know if you know this person. (laughs) Internet YouTuber (laughs) of the first era, the first wave of YouTubers. And that was the person that I just watched their videos and I thought, oh, she she uses she, her pronouns, I think. But uh, she was just so funny. And I laughed so much. And there's something about the genre of comedy that like opens you up in ways, Mm -hmm. opens your body up in ways. And I, at the time, I think I was definitely struggling with a lot of internalized homophobia when I started watching her YouTube videos. Cause I was like, "Mm, she feels a little like a lesbian or something. (laughs) you know. And I was like, but I also really admire this person and kind of want to look like her. She's really funny. So I was like going through that process. Right. And that's how like we can start to enter that space for ourselves and for our allies to be able to introduce these kinds of people Mm -hmm. to show whoa, this is like a really cool identity that is attainable and is something that I can be happily and successfully. Yeah. That just made me think of, oh my gosh, another, like, I don't, I don't think they're as known as like Hannah Hart, but like, um, this channel called Living Rosa, they're Mm. like, um, it's two lesbian moms and their four daughters. Yes. Um, and like, (laughs) I remember watching them when I was like 12 years old. And before that I was like, I found, I figured out I was queer at 12, but Mm. like, before going into that, I was like, ah, oh, boys. Um, mm. yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't think I want to get married. Like, that just mm-hmm. seems like whatever. And I saw these two women married and, like, trying to have a child. And I was like, I want like, that. I want that so 
bad. And like, they just have such a normal life. They have their dogs and they have their kids. That's and I'm just amazing. like, wow, like that's like, <laughs> perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like being able to see that and being able to see it in like such a normalized way too of like just people existing. Yeah. Um, because I think, oh my gosh, the amount of times that I have been out doing stuff with KYC and people are like, do you ever think that you're doing like too much? Like, do you ever think the rainbows are too much? Or like, <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. Like you're just like shoving it down people's throats. And I'm like, no, literally no one's doing that. Like yeah. literally how, where is like a lesbian princess in Disney? Like, mm-hmm. where is that? Yeah. But like, ever since I was little, I was like, it's totally fine that Belle's into this beast mm-hmm. man. <laughs> like, yeah. that's fine. You know what I mean? Totally normal. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just so nice having those, um, like people on social media that are just like living out their normal, beautiful, queer lives. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a little bit about how just existing and being seen as authentic queer adults is kind of a form of advocacy. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are some other ways that people can get involved in advocacy that maybe aren't like traditional? Advocacy for the LGBTQ community, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Just just confirming that that's our focus. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm on There's so much doubt. Yeah, like, uh, the abortion rights situation, I just like to make a quick comment on that. Um, yeah, just reproductive rights or just um, rights to be yourselves in terms of advocacy. I think my number one thing is just getting people aware of the legislature, which is really difficult to do because it feels like school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't understand what this is about. Even like someone who has a PhD and I'm like educated, quote unquote, I read stuff and I'm like, I don't quite follow what, what this is. Mm. And being able to, you know, I know you guys do this wonderfully, but take that and make it digestible yeah. for people mm-hmm. to understand what it really is doing and how it affects them personally. So something that I always encourage folks to do in terms of advocacy, advocacy is to get involved in terms of understanding what's happening with your legislature, um, making sure you go vote and making mm-hmm. sure you tell your friends to vote because that's like, that is really at the end of the day, what's so important is the more of us that go out and vote for the things we care about, we can make the legislators, the people that are in those spaces, we can pull them out or put them in, mm-hmm. supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> in theory, that's how it's supposed mm-hmm. to work. But yeah, do you have any thoughts on advocacy? Uh, yeah, I feel like at a really, really basic level, you can, su- like if you're a cis hetero person, <laughs> you can support the trans or non-binary or queer people in your life by, if you don't understand something, asking simple questions to try to understand because no one expects everyone to know all about every one. Mm. But I feel like if we allow ourselves to have the grace to kind of just be kind and patient with people and curious, curious, yeah. And, and use people's correct pronouns if they, if, or ask people's pronouns, just really simple, basic things. You can help affirm someone's identity on a really basic level. And if you don't know what pronouns are, a lot of people don't even know how to use pronouns. Just learn those basic things. It's not hard. Google it. Literally. (laughs) You have that in your pocket. Like, just, yeah, just Google it, guys. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Again. So where can people find you all on social media? Well, we're both on TikTok individually. Um, My handle is the same. It's adesso.lorenzo across all my platforms. I currently am not using Instagram because for personal reasons, I just don't really use Instagram anymore. But I primarily am on YouTube, and I think I'm building out the YouTube platform. 
more because the self-care series is over there and the community posts happen every day. Um, and then the shorts, but yeah, TikTok as well. Awesome. What about you? Yeah. I'm just at my name. It's B A R R I E R O S E. Uh, yeah. Just Barry Rose on all the plats. Um, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, t- uh, YouTube, the tube. Yeah. And then We'll have more stuff with queer hangouts in the very oh, yeah. queer hangouts near sure. future. Yeah, and we definitely want to say if there are any schools or students who are part of those groups to email us and let us know if we can come hang out with your GSA slash yeah. club. If you want us to visit come your chat. school. <laughs> What's that yeah. email? We think? It's queerhangouts at gmail.com. Awesome. Pretty simple. And then, Daria, where can people find KYC? Oh, my gosh. Well, you can find us everywhere. Um, (laughs) KYC Ohio on social media. So, like, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, And then our website is um, kycohio.org. If you want to donate, you can make a one-time donation or you can join our Unity Circle. And that would just be at kycohio.org slash donate um, to help us continue to serve the LGBTQIA plus community and youth. Um, But, yeah, we just want to say thank you so much coming out today this has been so great this yeah this so is fun amazing to hang. we also like hanging out with the queer piece and we're, <laughs> we're glad to have some more friends ourselves yeah we so like love you we're fanning over here <laughs> yeah we have new friends at kyz yeah <laughs> this has been awesome if you have any questions for future topics or if you have any if you have any suggestions for future topics or if you have any questions please email mallory at m-a-l-l-o-r-y at kycohio.org bye, bye.